It is time to dig deep with Stacy and Stacy, a podcast for anyone hungry for God and willing to tackle today's relevant issues with authentic conversations inspired by Holy Scripture, prayer, and devotion to the sacraments. Hosted by two Texas gals who went to the same country Baptist church as little girls, had crazy lives, and found each other again decades later as Catholic convert wives and moms. Get ready, y'all. They're fixing to get real. Hi, I'm Stacy Trisankos. And I'm Stacy Farquharson. Today, after our scripture reflection on this memorial of Saints Cornelius, Pope, and Syrian Bishop Martyrs, we're going to talk about your childhood home, about returning, mm. in, at least in your mind, if you can't do it physically, your childhood home is in front of you. Do you go in? This is a, a guest essay at the New York Times. Had some interesting points to make. And kind of fits with uh, what Stacy and I've been talking about in season one of facing your good, bad, and ugly. Won't play that music again. Yeah. But um, <laughs> so <laughs> we will. We will, we have some. I could sing like it. To, you could sing it. Go ahead, <laughs> sing it. Good, bad, and the ugly. No, no, no. Okay. <laughs> I'm just. <kidding. laughs> we used a clip last time, and we were like, I hope we don't get in trouble for using that clip, but. Anyway, we did. So we're gonna, after we finish uh, the scripture reflection today for today with Stacy, our budding scripture um, exegetress <laughs> scholar, um, who's, who's taking classes now at University of Dallas, we'll we want to talk about confronting your childhood home and why we think as Catholic wives and moms, it's important to at least in our mind um, go back to our childhood home that might sound a little daunting all right scripture stacy yeah. take it away <laughs> okay well like we do it every morning let's pray first thank you and the father and the son the holy spirit lord we praise you this morning we thank you for uh, again we thank you for this day um we thank you for your peace that passes all understanding and lord i just ask I ask for an abundance of peace today so that we can um, walk in it and be a witness to others of your peace. And we just ask that you open the eyes of our understanding that we might comprehend your scriptures, that you would give us fresh eyes to see and ears to hear. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Okay. And like like we do every morning, we encourage you to go back and read the scriptures for yourself so that you and God can have your own conversation. Okay, so we're going to continue reading. Um, yesterday, we we were in 1 Corinthians 15, and the today's reading actually con is a continuation of those same scriptures. So we're just going to keep on reading where we left off yesterday, actually. It says, brothers and sisters. If Christ is preached as raised from the dead, how can some among you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then neither has Christ been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then empty too is our preaching. Empty too, your faith. Then we are also false witnesses to God because we testified against God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, Neither has Christ been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is vain and you still you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. 
If for this life only we have hoped in Christ, then we are the most pitied people of all. But now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Okay, Whew, that's a kind of a tough little read right there. But today's reading, like I said, is actually a continuation of the scriptures that we read yesterday where Jesus, uh, we learned that Jesus did raised from the dead. He was resurrected and he showed himself to all these people, like 500 people at one time. And I mean, that's a large crowd. And I'm sure that there was no denying the resurrection to those people. But what specifically jumped out at me today was where it says, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is vain. You are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If for this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are the most pitied people of all. Uh, I just wanted to yell, no, Jesus was raised from the dead. So, but the reason that, okay, so it says at the very beginning of this reading, it says, how can some among you say there is no resurrection of the dead? So obviously somebody, there was people that were questioning this. So this is why he's, he, this is why he is saying this. If there is no resurrection of the dead, because you're saying they're, you're questioning this. So if there's no resurrection of the dead, well, then Christ wasn't raised either. And if Christ wasn't raised, then our preaching is empty. Your faith is empty. I mean, we are in a heap of trouble. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he's saying that, that if Christ wasn't raised from the dead, it all hinges on that. If Christ wasn't raised from the dead, if it didn't happen, if all those people who said they saw him were lying, I mean, Good night Almighty, we are still in our sins. If we've put all of our chickens in this one basket, then we are pretty pitiful. We have to ask ourselves what we believe. Mm -hmm. Why do we need to 100% believe, settle this in our minds and hearts? Because if we don't, the enemy will come and try to make us doubt it. Yeah. The very next verse says, um, in verse 21, it says, but in fact, he says, but the fact is, guys, Christ has been raised from the mm -hmm. dead, the first fruits of those who have died. So this chapter in the Bible really does reassure us that, yes, there is a resurrection. And Jesus being raised from the dead and showing himself to so many pro people prove that there was a resurrection. So I started thinking, <laughs> my mind started wandering here, but I started thinking about how as a convert, you know, when I was first coming into the church, all the things I had to wrestle and wrap my mind around. Well, you know what? These disciples were sent out to teach and to preach the gospel and people who had not heard this before. So I'm sure they were all wrestling and processing. And that maybe that's why Paul wrote this letter to assure them because some were doubting. So then my mind starts thinking about, okay, or some of the things that I had to wrestle with. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I wrestled with was the Eucharist, because yeah. when I was first told about the Eucharist, I mean, at first I was like, wait a minute, you get Jesus and I get a cracker. I mean, this is what I wanted. I wanted to be one with God. But and so I started studying, reading and listening to what people had to say about it. And I mean, I heard all kinds of things. I heard how crazy it was, how it wasn't true. But then one day I heard someone talking to a group of people and he said, I believe in a God I can't see. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm telling you, that got their attention. I was watching their faces as he was talking. He said, I believe in angels that I can't see either. I believe in a virgin birth. A virgin had a baby. 
I believe in heaven. I can't see it. I believe in hell. Can't see it. Don't want to see it. I believe in an enemy that I can't see. I believe that God became man, that God lived and walked among us. I believe that he died on a cross for my sins. I believe that he was raised from the dead. I believe a man was raised from the dead after dying for me thousands of years ago. And I've chosen to give my life to him because I believe this man was the son of God whom I serve, even though I can't see him. Yeah. Now, as he was saying, it's all pretty this, crazy. Thinking, good night. Well, yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. I was thinking, good night. If somebody walks in here and didn't know anything about Jesus, they'd be calling the men in the little white jackets to come haul him off mm-hmm. because it does sound crazy. And then I thought, I'm crazy, too, because I believe all that. Mm-hmm. And if I can believe all of that, then why can't I believe in the true presence? Why can't I believe in the Eucharist? And it was like it just that was the moment that it just clicked for me. Yeah. And it was something in me. I just believed. I mean, this is something that has been around forever since Jesus. It, just because I hadn't heard about it didn't make it a new concept. Right. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. In John 17, John 17 is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible because it talks about being one with Christ. He talks, he's he's praying. It starts out, I pray for them. So he's praying to God and he's praying that uh, he's praying for everybody that he's come in contact with while he's been on the earth. He's praying for um, uh, the Holy Father. He says, keep them through your name, those who you have given me that they may be one as we are one. He says, uh, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me, I've kept that none of them is lost except the son of perdition that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I come to you and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy, that my joy be fulfilled in them. And he just goes on and he's praying for them. He says, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. He's praying for their protection as he sends them out into the world. He's praying for them. But my favorite part is this. In verse 20, it says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's us. He's praying for us right here in the Bible. I love that. He says, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me and the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and loved them as you have loved me. I love this. This is where Jesus prays for us. And I have always wanted to be one, one with God. And when I first heard about the Eucharist, that was the scriptures that came to my mind. This Mm -hmm. is it. This is what I've been wanting. So I believe that, you know, Christ did come to this earth to seek out and to save the lost. It tells us in Luke, I believe that he was crucified and that he raised, was raised from the dead. And I believe that he's very much alive today. When the disciples saw him, they ate with him. Mm -hmm. You know, he, they touched him. He was alive. I believe that he is alive. He's seated at the right hand of God, the father. And we do have hope. We who believe do have hope. Yeah. It's pretty crazy when you, all that stuff you said about what you heard that, that speaker saying that we also like, not only do we believe that this man was raised from the dead and is God, we believe that we have a personal relationship with someone who died 2000 years ago. 
and and that that we know him every day it's like dear jesus hi (laughs) and that is that's pretty wild when you think about it, it it is it is so true and you know it's like for someone who is, you know, thinking about coming into the church, and I know the Catholic Church, when we're converting, there's a lot of things you got to wrap your mind around. There were several mm-hmm. things that I had to really process. And, but, you know, I already believe some things that are way out there. I mean, I yeah. do believe these things. It's, it made it easier for me. Hearing that, just yep. laying it all out there. It just made it easier for me to take that next step. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, other it helps when you see other people believe it, too. And and I know like atheists would criticize that as groupthink, but it's not. No, I don't mean that. I mean, it 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 does give you confidence when you see that other people can have the gift of faith, that you can have it, too. I was Mm -hmm. um, this is interesting because, you know, Stacy's studying scripture right now. I'm studying um, philosophy and I'm taking a course in ancient and medieval philosophy, and we're having to read Socrates. And uh, mm. I just read Phaedo this week. The professor's like, how many of you have ever read this before? I never read this before. I raised my hand. I never read it before. But when Socrates is is laying in the bed about to drink the hemlock because he's he's been convicted of corrupting the youth. <laughs> And he's he's been sentenced to death and they're going to make him drink the poison and kill himself. He has all his friends gathered around and he's doing philosophy because he's saying and he's reasoning about resurrection. So this is way before Christ. Right. This is when they don't they don't know anything about they have different ideas about different gods. And and Socrates has decided there is one God. He always talks about the God. And he's talking about resurrection and Mm -hmm. he's really trying to get to this conclusion philosophically that we do live on after death because, you know, professors like, why do you think he did that? And I'm like, "Um, because he's about to die. (laughs) But he's (laughs) (laughs) he really wants that conclusion to be true. But he was saying he believed that there is the life of the soul goes on after the body dies. And he says our goal in life is to perfect ourselves in virtues so that we are tending to our soul so that it's ready to go on to a good place as opposed to the people who never tend to their souls and never do any work and never try to practice virtue and stay imprisoned by their bodily desires all their life. Their souls just walk around the grave sites because they never move on to that next place. He said, so the reason he was doing philosophy on his deathbed was because he was trying you know, and, and I, was, I was thinking, wouldn't that be funny if Jesus like walked in <laughs> when Socrates oh, is laying yeah. in that bed um, and, and just said, you know, um, yes. you don't you don't have to. There's theology here. Of course, they didn't know that then. So that was kind of some of the foundation that theology was later built on after after Christ did come and give all those revelations. So it was very interesting. It's going to be cool that you're going to be sharing all that with us as you go through this course. We both will be. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good way to learn, to learn how to put it into into your own words. But in that same vein, I guess it's always because we never we never really talk about how what Stacy's going to say about Scripture and what we're going to talk about that day really fit together because it becomes more obvious as we start talking through it and and talking about facing the things, you know, getting yourself virtuous on your deathbed and getting ready to go to heaven in that vein. We were talking about an article this morning that we saw in the New York times, your childhood home. This is the title of it from September 8th. Your childhood home is in front of you. 
do you go in? And that mm -hmm. I think that that's a really good title. Like if you want to study titles, that's a really good one. Yeah. Um, I think before you even go in, into the article, that is a provocative question. Oh, absolutely. Before you even start reading the article, you start thinking, would I? Which house? You know, because yeah. sometimes we move around when we're kids and, you know, it's like, okay, which house? What, well, maybe this one, but not that one. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they say in the article that hardly anyone grows up in the same house. So you, it, it, that is something we all have to think about. Like, which house do we go into? Maybe some we don't ever want to see again and maybe some we long to see again and we may not. He says down in the article a phrase. He says, a childhood home if we lived in one house or apartment long enough, and especially if our family has moved out since, a childhood home may enclose a nearly undimmed set of early memories. A nearly undimmed set of early memories, as if mm -hmm. its walls formed a time capsule we sealed behind us as we left. And mm. I was thinking about that. Like, God, I don't, personally, I have dreams about my childhood home. Like I have dreamed that I've never been back in it. I've never, um, when we moved back to Texas five years ago, I did drive by it and look at it because I had so many dreams about it. And I would look it up on Google map, you know, how you can see pictures. And I would look it up and look there, but I would mm -hmm. have dreams about it that I was walking around inside it on the ceiling, looking down. And I would remember things like the floor tile. Oh, wow. Um, but more importantly, emotions. Mm -hmm. I remember emotions I used to have being there. Um, it, mm -hmm. I had a I had a pretty happy childhood. But but it, I think it's useful to do that. So the reason that this article jumped out at me is because I'm really thinking a lot about what kind of old woman I want to be. Like I don't know why that does that. Do you ever think about that, Stacey? Well, sometimes I think I'm already there. <laughs> so, no, we're the yeah. in the new twenties. <laughs> It depends on how I feel that day. No, I'm just kidding. No, I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we we don't want to carry bitterness no. and, and unforgiveness into our old older age because we want to be an example to our kids and our grandkids, you know. And we want to we want to come across as happy, fun, yes. lively old ladies. Yes, <laughs> and and I want to be respected. And I know there's, a, you know, that's a bag of worms, but I mean, what is it? Can of worms. Sorry. There, I want to be respected, but, yeah. um, but I want to earn that respect. I don't want to be an old lady that they look at and are like, like, oh, I can't stand to be around her. She's, she's always so grumpy or she's so strict or she's so hard, or, you know, and I, you know, that's exactly, that's exactly it. Because if we, if we do carry that bitterness into our old age, then how are we going to impart how do we impart into the younger generation? How no, if they don't want to be around us because we're just grumpy and bitter mm -hmm. and angry and just, you know, never smiling, never bubbly, never laughing. I mean, I, you know, you know, I work with seniors yes. all the time. You know, for years I've worked closely with seniors and I just adore them. The the ones that have spoken so much life into me and so much wisdom into me because they I just I love to be around them. Mm -hmm. They're so bubbly and and they laugh and they're just the, the most I, I just have such a place in my heart for them. But I want to be like that where my kids, my grandkids, their friends, they don't mind being around me because I am 
um, kind and I'm not bitter. And it gives me, it opens that door for us to be able to speak, Mm. you know, into their lives and to give the wisdom that we have gained over all these years. And you're so good at that naturally because you're so empathetic. I mean, I know you think, you think you're empathetic to a fault, but you're, you're, it's not, I like, I always know if I'm talking to you, you're going to understand what I'm saying and will help me understand. And and I think that's a great quality. Um, but I, I realized, like, I don't know, it was probably about five years ago when I was heading towards my 50s. There was a day when I'm like, I, I was just going on and on. I was talking to my therapist, actually, and I was just going on about all how life has just made me a victim, like all these things that didn't turn out right, that didn't go right. And I just heard myself talking. And I'm like, good grief, Stacy. I think it's time to grow up. <laughs> like, like I got this real sense that the more mm-hmm. I just complained, the more I was pushing younger people away. They didn't want to be around me. And that I'm like, it's time to grow up. Like, just let that go. Because I don't, as we get older, it really stops becoming our world. Like we had our chance to be young in the world and, and it starts becoming their world. It starts becoming, you know, because young people yeah. think that the world is their oyster, but they're they're right in a lot of ways. It it is their world because we're going to be moving on and dying, and they're gonna they've got their whole lives ahead of them. And I didn't like that at first. I was like, "You little arrogant young person, who do you think you are?" <laughs> <laughs> I've been here almost fifty years. You need to shut up and listen to me. But but I but I I did. I said <laughs> you need to grow up. And you need to realize that your time spent on earth from 50 on, you need to be building up the younger people that God puts in your path. You need to be helping them develop. And and you can't just criticize them and, and scold them. You've got you've to gotta figure out where they are and you got to realize they're in their own generation. Like their generation is not your generation. Stop griping about wokeness and the liberalness and just... Under, try to understand where they are in their journey right now. That word we use in, in Catholic evangelization, accompaniment, like really empathize with them. But what mm-hmm. I had to do to do that was go back to my childhood home spiritually and mentally, not physically. And I had to go back into some of those rooms where there were really stupid things that hurt me. I mean, I realize now they were kind of trivial Things that hurt, and, and I'm not saying people, everybody, some people have really serious things that hurt them for, for reasons that, that should have probably destroyed them and would hurt anybody. But there were a lot, I realized there were a lot of little things I had hung on to that kind of turned into calluses over the years because I kept picking at it. And, and it was making me a calloused older mm. woman angry. And, and it really was good just to go back. You know, they say, it's not kind of goofy. Go back to your little baby self and put your arm around her. But I did go back to little Stacy and I'm like, you know what? I get you. <laughs> you were kind of high strung kid. You were kind of hard to deal with. Um, and, um, you know, maybe you made too much out of that that one incident. Yeah. No, I mean, you, you said something a minute ago, Stacey, you said, you know, about the time sealing up the time capsule that we left behind when we left. And don't you, what do you think? I mean, I, I think it maybe has to do with why we left or how mm-hmm. we left. I mean, some people, like you said, are blessed enough to have a great 
childhood with a lot of happy memories and and some people moved around more than others and then some left early yeah. because they wanted to get out of a situation mm-hmm. or some moved around because they wanted to get out so i think you know the leaving might have something to do with how hard it is to visit that yeah. that house too but but like you said i mean if we're going to move into the next stage of our lives and be able to um, impart benefit and and you know all the the things that we've learned, all the challenges we've overcome and the struggles and obstacles and, and all the things that God has done for us, the testimonies that, that we have, the stories that we have of victory through Jesus, then we want to be able to share those things. We have to be able to speak the truth in love. And it's hard to speak in love when we have that, yeah. you know, that I, I keep saying bitterness, that angst, mm-hmm. that, that those little wounds, mm-hmm. those little open wounds that are still in there. And because we, we, you know, we speak through a filter yep. and we want to clean that filter, yep. but um, you always say hurt but, people. Yeah, hurt so people. I think you're so right. hurting people, hurt, hurt people. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you can see somebody doing something wrong. And if you have, if you can relate to that, that sin or that wrong that they're doing, and you haven't been healed from your own past, then you might speak to that place mm-hmm. in them with a little bit more condescending exactly. because you're still in it yourself. Does that make yeah. sense? It does. I mean, I think those wounds we hang on to become right. calluses in old age. And I think it shows on our wrinkled faces. I think it makes us look hard. I think it makes us <laughs> unable to be friendly with people. But I just, but I tell you something, I mean, I had some things that I would say were pretty traumatizing in my early adult years, um, but in my in kindergarten, okay. So anxious little Stacy goes off to kindergarten, and I had a pretty strict kindergarten teacher, and I don't know if she's really even like that or not, but it it affected me. So it wasn't really my home; it was my kindergarten, and um, I wanted to do everything so right. Like I'm a perfectionist. I was a, I was a perfect perfect child, perfect perfect. And, and I went to kindergarten and I've gotten dressed and I got my tights on and my dress matches and everything's good. And my hair has a bow in it and there's not a single missing hair out of place. And, um, and we're saying the pledge of allegiance. And when my hand came down from my heart, which my, my hand was on my heart the whole time. Um, no, it was my, cause I had my left hand on my heart. It's what it was. I had my left hand on my heart and you're supposed to have your right hand on your heart. And I was horrified when I realized I have the wrong hand on my heart during the pledge of allegiance. I'm starting the whole day off wrong. And so I slammed my left hand down. <laughs> like, like, like it didn't even go through emotion from, from my heart to by my side. It just instantly appeared there. Boom. Hand was never at my heart. And so my right hand went up to my heart, but in doing that snap movement, my left hand hit the leaf of a house plant the teacher had brought in to decorate the classroom. And I broke it. I broke the leaf off the plant. And, <laughs> and, I, and it was a big leaf. And, and I'm like, oh my gosh. And the teacher, after the Pledge of Allegiance was over, the teacher made me go sit in this big refrigerator box. It was called the timeout box. There's a huge cardboard box and it had one little hole, round hole where you could stick your head out and see what everybody else was doing. But, and it had a little chair in it. And I had, oh my goodness. And I had to go sit in the timeout box. That was the first day of kindergarten. Do you know what that did to oh me? My gosh. And the teacher didn't even ask me what happened. That was the first day. The first day. And so I, well, I remember oh. it as the first day. Maybe it was the first week or something, but it was right at the beginning. and. 
and that teacher later told us when you get on that school bus, you better not talk to anybody. Cause if I hear that you're talking and causing a disruption for the school bus driver, you're going to sit in the timeout box again tomorrow. She told the whole class that. So what do I do? I get on the school bus horrified and I don't speak to people and I become the laughing stock of the school bus because people are like, let's see if we can get little Stacy to talk. And they're poking at me and talking to me and I am stone faced. And I get off the bus every day and collapse in tears. By the end of kindergarten, I was on anxiety medication. Because. Oh, my God. But I had to go back and I had to sit in that box with myself. And I'm like, you know what, Stacy? Maybe the teacher was just nervous. Maybe like you you can but my but what i brought into adulthood from that was and I, I tried so hard to be good and i never felt like anybody understood that i was just trying when i would hurt people accidentally because i was trying to do things so right like with my kids i'd try so hard to do things right i would end up hurting them i would talk over them i wouldn't listen to them no you have to drink out of this cup you have to learn these scripture lessons you have to get your butt out of bed and go to mass like i would be so strict with them because i wanted to be a perfect mother um, and I always felt misunderstood when they complained, you're not being a perfect mother, mom, you're making my life hell. And, and I would, and I, I felt under misunderstood. And when I let go of that, I'm like, well, okay, it's, that's a good example. Yeah. So anyway, end of story. Oh my goodness. I, you know, it, it just reminded me of, you know, I had a long talk with my oldest daughter one time and, and I just, you know, she would tell me, she would tell me when my kids, because she, she's a lot older than my, not my boys were. And, uh, and she would tell me, you know, you should, you should discipline here. You should do this here. You should. And I kept telling her, but, but I'm, I'm looking at his heart. Like I see, I see what he did here, but I'm looking at his heart. And, and I remember when she got older, she called me up and she was like, mom, I totally understand what you're talking, what you were talking about back then. And she was like, I'm so sorry. She said, cause now she's got a little boy. And she was like, I, you know, people think that I need to discipline this action, but I'm looking at his heart. And, you know, it's just, sometimes we do have to discipline the heart, mm-hmm. but sometimes the action is, you know, it, they don't mean anything by it. No, <laughs> they don't understand. Yeah. You know, you correct it, but you let it. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I mean, we, we are not therapists. Um, but, but that, I mean, Stacy, oh, you have a beautiful heart. Like I, I'm really glad find yourself a friend like Stacy because I'm, I'm really glad to have you as a friend because you do empathize so well and you, you see the good in me even, and I feel safe around you. I feel safe. I feel like I can, I can say those. I'm, I can, I can laugh about my good. I can laugh about my good, bad and the ugly. You see the good in me, but the bad and the ugly, Hey, it's there, right? It's there for all of us. It is. It, 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 it just been And Stacey has so much grace. You have well, so much grace for me. Well, I'm a hot mess. <laughs> we're just kind of stumbling through all this. Thank but, you. you know, I do. The, the reason this article jumped out, your childhood home is in front of you. Do you go in? I think a lot of us are afraid to go back to things that hurt us in our past. And we want to really encourage you to do that. Yeah. Like if you need a friend who can laugh with you through it, find one. Find one like Stacy. Find some, I mean, God, I prayed about that and God brought her into my life. Find someone that you can safely talk about this stuff, or even if it's a therapist. The article says um, a little further down, um, it's talking about a, a, a book called The Jolly Corner, and it's about a man who, who does revisit his childhood home after 20 years, or 33 years abroad. After 33 years abroad, he returns 
to his childhood home in New York in an encounter with a quoting ghostly self who never left. And that's another phrase that jumped out at me. I feel like in our childhood, we do have, and my granddaughter's back in the room again. She just woke up. So that little mumbling is Evelyn. I do feel like if that we did, and I think what he means by that, our ghost, ghostly self who never left, we kind of left something back there, something unresolved, something we haven't dealt with. And it is kind of like those ghosts that Socrates was talking about that didn't practice virtue and just kind of are left behind wandering around their graves. I, I think we do leave something of ourselves behind that we need to go back and claim, you know, and claim that part of us and claim that's how we're going to be. You know, we're, we're getting ready to do a retreat, Women at the Well, and part of the retreat that Stacey and I are going to do is we're going to have this Pew um, Research Center Strength Finders survey where you take it and you you discover yeah. your strengths that was powerful for me because when i realized i am by nature an analytical person i realized okay that's just how i am i need to learn to live with it i don't need to stifle it but i also don't need to let it make me break leaves on house plants in kindergarten you know i just need to realize i'm very analytical and let myself be that way but also realize like sometimes I need to dial it back you know, does that make any sense? Yeah. I mean, I, I love the strength finders. I remember when I first took it, it just explained why I process the things that what, the way I process it explained it, why, why I process the way I do, why I do respond the way I do to, to situations. And it really helped me understand who I was and how God created me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I know that empathy is actually in one of my top five. Yeah. So it, I yeah. love that. I'm like, I knew that. That's I why. knew that already. You're like, no, I don't want it to be. <laughs> I know I didn't. I don't want to be the one that cries for people all the time. Oh, it's true. But it has helped me. It has helped me in my um, intercessory, you know, to be a, a intercession and pray, mm -hmm. pray for people. So, yeah. And so, you know, back, going back to the scripture this morning um, that Stacy read uh, about how Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep, that, that, that we do believe that Christ is risen. And we do believe, crazy as it may seem, that Christ is with us every day in our journey of faith. And so if you do, if that, if that title of that New York Times article is a bit daunting to you, your childhood home is in front of you, do you go in? If you do think you have some things to go back in life and deal with, we encourage you to do it and know that you're not alone, that Christ is right there with you. He was there with you then, whether you believed in him or not, and he's with you still. And, and Mother Mary mm -hmm. and all the saints and your guardian angel, mm -hmm. you're, you're surrounded by a host uh, from the invisible realm, spiritual, that are there with you, that will go back in that with you and if you pray i do believe that you get the grace yeah. to see yourself the way christ saw you then and love yourself accept yourself face the things in yourself you need to change have the courage to work on that and change them it's very freeing and then i really do i do hope and pray that i become an older woman who has an easy smile who has wisdom that younger people want to listen to and that and that can really devote myself more to like building this, building up this world God's given us um, to leave it a better place so that when I, when I do move on, hopefully to heaven, um, I will be remembered as a kind soul. I'm Stacy Farquharson. I'm Stacey Trusankos. Until next time. 
If you are interested in bringing Stacy and Stacy to your parish or study group for a retreat or a talk, they would love to come liven things up and keep it real. Please see stacyandstacy.site for more information.